Hi, welcome. It's episode 95 and we're talking about classic science fiction film About Time, which came out in 2013. Hi, and welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm sorry, and this is Mark. Hiya, it's episode 95 and it's time for a classic. This science fiction film is About Time, came out in 2013, written and directed by British filmmaker Riddish, Richard Ridges, Richard Curtis. Uh, in this episode, we'll reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of narrative and film language, plus a nice deep dive into a specific piece of science that Richard Curtis is proposing. This is your spoiler warning. We're going to go through all of the spoilers. Turn back now. Listen, no, watch and the film and then listen to us. Got to get that in the right order. You you can get out of order with these time travel movies. The preference is to watch the movie first. (laughs) Yes. Play along at home. But if you really want to, you could listen to it and then go back in time, watch it and then listen to us again. We get, well, we still don't get one listen that way. No, that's true. Oh, well. Keep listening, listening. That's the whole point. But warning, make sure you have watched it or you're willing to be totally uh, spoiled. Spoiled. (laughs) You're going to be spoiled listening to Space Brains. So About Time is a science fiction time travel film where Tom, uh, Tim, sorry, at the age of 21 discovers he can travel in time and change what happens and has happened in his own life. He can only go backwards, he can't go forwards. Uh, his decision to make his world a better place is by getting a girlfriend. It's all about love, he says. So what was your number one takeaway from About Time, Sorry, My number one takeaway from About Time is that I wish Bill Nye was my dad. No, no. <laughs> or at least the character he plays in this. Yeah, he's so lovely. He's he's wonderful. He is. He's gorgeous. Uh, another thing about this film that I really thought was worth thinking about is it turns out time travel is not necessary. Mm. Isn't that nice? We sort of are already, we already have the lesson of time travel. Yes. Yes. We, you know, what we can learn from time travel, we can already do without time travel. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. It is this cool. This idea because, yeah, there's all the usual sort of thoughts of doing this, that and the other thing, mm. uh, go back, kill Hitler <laughs> and so on. But this is not about any of that. Yeah, it's, it's not about making a fortune and sort of living that no, fantasy. That, that's, that's kind of been raised, but I have a feeling, though, that you're going to do pretty well anyway, and, and that's what this film's about. But but Bill Nye's character, you, when I was watching this the very first time, watching him and you're going, wow, this is an unusually really nice, supportive dad, and he's, he's just an mm. all-round nice guy. He is. He's terrific. But then, of course, you get towards the end of the film and you realise why, mm. because he can time travel. Yeah. And he's learned the secret to happiness. <laughs> well, he, 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 he knows to, um, as you know, as a father as well, like you might get cross and angry at your children and tell them off and blast them and then even regret doing that. Well, he gets the chance to do a do-over, doesn't he? He doesn't have to yeah. do that again. Oh, yeah. So well, he could do it. kind of make you happy. He could do the whole <laughs> shouting and ranting and having a tantrum and then go back and not. And not. That's he's, right. He's yeah. got it out of his system. Yeah. Okay. Now I'll uh, be the proper dad. That's right. <laughs> so that was quite good. I, I remember watching this the first time and um, to me, like I'd seen Bill Nye 
Lee. It's Nye Lee, isn't it? Nye. Nye? Nye yeah. Lee? There's no L. There's no L. Bill Nye? N-I-G-H-Y. Nye? Nye. Nye. That's it. Yeah. Um, however you say your name, Bill, please correct us. Uh, and it, he, to me in this movie, he is the standout acting performance. Like, they're all quite strong, but it's just... He's incredible. In he, he's like, great. He's, he's won you, BAFTAs for his acting and yeah, other things, and I, it's not surprising. I know, and I've seen him, and he's in some, you know, he's in Pirates of the Caribbean deliberately because of his acting to play. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, you know, and, um, but this performance that he puts in this, like, he's just uses his body so interestingly, He his expressions. I mean, he is this lovely man, but there's just something about the acting. It's an acting masterclass, really. Like, you, if mm. you wanted to be an actor or you're a director, watch what he does in this film. So, If, if only he was Joaquin Phoenix's uh, Joker's dad <laughs> instead of whatever dad he had. Yeah, that's true. Then it well, would work. Yeah, and what a, what a film. You'd have the two of them acting in a film together. Oof, it wouldn't be yeah. called Joker then. He would actually be a successful stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, they would kind of make a good father-son combo, but, you know, like now I'm just looking at their fa- – because they've both got big cheekbones. Mm. Uh, probably the rest is a little bit different, but that you could see that he could be his father. Oh, well, that's... There you go. That's We're casting roles here, sorry. Scoop. Space Brains Productions. We're in, we're in the casting mode. That's it. It's, and we would, we, would, we would get the, money, the movie greenlit if we could sign those two guys. Uh, it would yeah. be called Joker About Time. <laughs> that's right. It's a good one. Yes. What if the Joker had a father that was like Bill Nye from About Time? Yeah. How would he turn out? That's different? it. Yes. Okay, there you go. So is this uh, hope, warning, or an experiment? It's very hopeful. It's very lovely, this film, as you were just talking about, Mm. Bill Nye being a nice father. It is a very hopeful film, but it is, to me, an experiment. Experiment. It's a what-if, again, the same as what we had last week with Radius, was a real ultimate what-if. You know, what if a man had a 15-metre death ray around him uh the same with this like what if when you turn 21 you could travel back in time like what would you do you know how would you fix your future and it's so cool in this story how richard curtis has you know that scene where bill nye actually tells his son and he's like oh all the men in the family can travel through time he actually, you know, basically the rules are explained there in 30 seconds, aren't they? Mm. It's like, well, you can travel back in time. You can't travel into the future, you know, and yeah. you can only go back to where you've been. Yeah, as, uh, like, and I know what you're thinking, you know, win the lottery Hilo, or something. Win the lottery, yeah. yeah. This, no, you don't want to go down that way as Uncle So-and-so yeah, did, right. you know. And it's like, totally why? Mad. And he goes, well, you don't even need to explain it, you know. Like, I loved that really quickly. It's like, you know, the rules are explained. Yes, and of course the the difficulties are sort of blown away because it's like oh, you can only travel in your own lifetime. Yeah, you can't go forward, and you kind of got to go to real places. Yeah, you've that got to you've be able been to or remember them, know know of them. You can't just, you know, I suppose in their case, come to Australia if they've never really been to Australia. I suppose, mm. yeah. Yeah. So, I, but I thought it was that experiment idea. So, what if what what would you do if? You could travel back. I in think time. so. I think I think it was. It's sort of a um, an experiment. Not just that, but it was particularly focusing on sort of happiness and relationships. You know, yeah. how would your relationship with your father be? Yeah, or with you know your wife, uh, your kids, your friends. Yeah. How would that be if you could travel through time? Yeah. What if you were focusing on how you can have a a good life, whatever that means, mm. and you can travel through time? Because it's sort of a question we've all thought about as you said you, you do something 
you regret it and you go, ah, if only, well, what if you could? How would that, what would you do, you know? Yeah. How would that change? How could you, in fact, make your life better? Yeah, and I mean, like, for myself, when I was 18, I had a head-on collision that wasn't my fault in a car, and I remember driving down that highway and I was came to a point in the road where I could have turned right and quite awfully I turned right. But for the reason of why I was driving, I thought, nah, I'll go straight ahead, have this horrific head-on collision where I'm taking to hospital and all that kind of stuff. But aftermath was, why didn't I turn right? Like if I could travel back in time, I'd turn right. But then you would be a totally different person. Mm. It's that butterfly effect. It's the ripple effect, isn't it? It's like you... Well, that wouldn't mean I wouldn't have had that experience I had of being taken by ambulance to emergency and being in emergency all day and strapped up and having x-rays and things like that. Like you wouldn't have gone through that actual experience, good or bad, but it's it's, so your life would be different. Your outlook would be different because that definitely changed the way I looked at things. Yes. So, um, yeah, so it is a, it's 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 an interesting what if, I reckon, and the ultimate, again, these like what ifs that story can hypothetically take us on a journey time travel because it's a movie why not it's a you know novel let's talk about time travel let's go into outer space whatever so is this the first time you've seen it no this is the third time i've seen it i think yeah yeah something on those lines it's it's one of my wife's favorite films yeah Uh, mine too actually (laughs) i very much enjoy it i didn't think i was going to enjoy it all that much when Mm. i first watched it because i was was looking this yeah okay richard curtis it's got Bill Nye in it. Um, there's some guy who was in Harry Potter, and it's you know it looks like a romantic comedy, yeah, which, right. which I'm, I'm a bit lukewarm to. Yeah. Some of them are okay, some of them are kind of not. Uh, and the guy Richard Curtis, he wrote Love Actually, yeah. which also had you know Bill Nye in it and yeah. and Hugh Grant. It's just I, I think I, <laughs> oh, that fella. Yeah, the bubbling. Yes, and I, I was surprised. Yeah, because I watched it. It's it's not a romantic comedy with a tinge of science fiction. I think it's a science fiction with a tinge of romantic comedy in there. Mm, yeah. It it comes close to but defies a number of the genres sort of expectations of both a science fiction and a romantic comedy. Definitely. Yeah. Because uh, the biggest one that I got out of this, which is why I like watching this film, is it's a very – it turns out to be quite a cosy film. Mm. Like it comes close to various disasters. Mm. And, and you're expecting them to happen. So a time travel film that's science fiction, inevitably you have the dire consequences of altering the past. Yes. You know, and, you know, back to the future. Yep. For example, he's, he bumps into his mum and almost wipes himself out of existence. <laughs> uh, you know, a delicate sound of thunder, they step on a butterfly and you come back to a totalitarian fascist mm. regime or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in this one, he never really particularly suffers from it, like like he has some close calls and some encounters in the film, which makes him go, "Oh, I've got to be a little bit more careful about this." And mm. it le- he learns valuable lessons from it, yeah. but without the you know gut punch of having your legs sawn off or something, <laughs> dreadful, you know. And likewise, the romantic comedy side of things, he comes close to a couple of the standard tragedies that occur there, where you'd expect a midpoint or the all is lost moment, mm. and. It, it pulls itself back from there and goes a slightly different direction. Yeah, yeah. So it's a nice surprise. And so by the time you get to the end of the film, I just sort of feel smooth and comfortable, but having having learned something and, and experienced something worthwhile 
and, and and just wanting to give old Daddy Bill oh, a big cuddle. Oh, big, big cuddle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's why, and I think that's why this really is a bit of a classic in that you you watch it and it's science fiction, but it it leads you away from the science fiction parts at the right moments and mm. goes towards a bit of a romantic comedy, but it doesn't get too stuck in that, and it plays up on some of the tropes you're expecting, but then subverts those ideas. So fantastic. And yeah. how, how many times have you seen this? Probably about the same. Again, it's my one of my wife's favourite films. So I said to her, oh, you have to watch this Space Brains film because mm. quite often she doesn't. So, you know, she was thrilled to do this. And it is one that you and I had talked about previously when we talk about classics. Mm. <clears throat> uh, and I think that's the thing. I have seen it three or maybe this was even the fourth. I think this might have been my fourth time. Likewise, uh, romantic comedies, I don't mind sometimes. They're not something that I go hunting, I guess, but... Mm. They are. Um, they can be quite clever, you know, and they they fall. I like the ones that fall outside the box a bit, and I think I agree with what you're talking about here that this does bend the genres, both of them. It mixes. It's a one that's really evident that it's two genres mixed together, but there is these plot points that uh, go in unexpected directions. Yeah. So I think the. And I, and I think also, like, the although it's all about, and he says, it, oh, it's always going to be about love, like it's not about winning the lottery, it's not about fixing history or anything like that. Yeah. For him or the best job ever, he was going to kind of live his life, it's going to be all about love. And so, yeah, you could sit at that point and go, oh, okay, so it's a love story, but does time travel. But in fact, then where Richard Curtis takes us on another adventure is that really the love story is not that complicated, which is the normal love story, yeah. isn't it? That you have those tropes of oh, they fall in love and everything's going great. But then, in fact, it turns out that he was kind of lying to her about the job he had and therefore she doesn't like liars and they break up and now he's got to kind of get her back or whatever, is that traditional romantic comedy. But then in this one, you're expecting that. But no, once they kind of get together, the the story then goes back to the time travel. So it's about his sister and it's about his dad. Yeah. And it's about his family and then... Then it comes back to the love story. So there's those twists and turns. They still really hit the beats that we we like to talk about in this film. But there's, yeah, twists to the story that are really unexpected. And I think then also the sci-fi element of time travel is then kind of embedded in that sweet romantic family love that this film does talk about. Like you talk about Bill being really nice, but they kind of are all a bit nostalgically... Because uh, they're all like nostalgically in love with each other, aren't they? Yes. It's a real familiar love, and because um, even Dom Gleason, the main character, like he even's like, "Oh, my sister is wacky and wild," but that's kind of why I really like her, you know. Yeah. Which, you, of course, another brother could be like, oh, "I hate my sister," you know what yeah. I mean? And or we've just got an okay. She's relationship. a crazy drama queen, yeah. You know, you know so, but that's not the way he looks at it. So, yeah, I, li- I liked how they they did that, and it's kept me wanting to go back. And I mean, my wife has a good cry about two thirds the way through this film, which she enjoys. Um, for me, it's like, oh yeah, that's there's definitely an emotional beat there, um, which is really sad, but. I kind of then look at the whole that that message that the film is saying is that yeah like we you don't need time travel to live in the moment you know which is kind of the point isn't it mm. you know that you can just be in the moment and that's as good as it gets you don't need to go back in time 
if you really sit down and appreciate what you have in that beat. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's something that I will probably watch again and again because of my wife loving it so much. But it is a very enjoyable experience to watch this film. Yeah, I mean, as soon as it came on Netflix, yeah, we get the little, the little uh, opening home screen comes up and it came up on that. Yeah, my wife is like, "Oh, we got to watch that again." Watch it. Yep, let's go. <laughs> Why is this then a sci-fi? We're talking then about the genres. What makes it a sci-fi? Oh, this sorry. this is to continue our thoughts here. This story couldn't be told without time travel. Right. Like, you could tell similar stories, but it the thing with science fiction, and, and I think we brought this up before, maybe not directly, but science fiction allows you to take some element of a story and then push it to an extreme level. This is the fiction part of it. Because mm. you can sort of say, okay, well, what's the science of happiness? We can explore that a little bit. Mm. What's, this, what's the science of social relationships? We can explore that a little bit. And that, that, there's lots of movies that do that, but they're not science fiction. Science fiction allows you to go, well, you know, what's the nature of sort of happiness and relationships? Let's add in the fact that you can travel in time mm. freely and easily and without particular consequence, mm. you know, but the goal, and, you know, and so you've got this extreme element. You're pushing pushing beyond the normal boundaries yep. into science fiction as opposed to just uh, a psychological study mm. or a romantic comedy. Uh, and I think that that's what makes this one here. There's no no explanation of the time travel. No, no. It's, in fact, um, Bill's character, what's his name, Tim? Tom. No, that Tim is the, the Tim, son. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever his name is. Uh the let's just keep calling him Bill Nye's dad. character. Dad. Dad. <laughs> dad actually says, don't know why or what or how. It's just we can. Yeah. You know, like it's just when you're 21, you can travel in time. Yeah. And and I, I do like science fiction that doesn't try to push any mm. particular explanation. It's the same with Radius. They get, yeah. There was just a lightning bolt out of space. You know, what was it? Um, who knows? We'd have to yeah. ask the NASA guys if yeah. they had any idea. You know, like, yeah. it's it's just a, you know, it's a bit of a hand wave. No need to go into it because mm. uh, it's not important. No. What's important is is the outcome. Like if it was uh, an alien encounter film, like if we're doing a film version of Rendezvous with Rama, which is about a an alien spaceship entering Earth's orbit, yeah, you sort of want to explore and, and, you know, how did it get here? What's the propulsion mechanism? What's its purpose? You know, where's it headed? All these sorts of questions because mm. that's what it's about. Yeah. But this, not about that. No. Nope. This, is, this is about the science of happiness and it's explored through the fiction of time travel. Mm. Very good. And so speaking of time travel, are you up to any time travel yourself in your creative projects? Uh, yes, I have decided that my story that I've been reworking, it's I was going to swap these bad guys around, mm-hmm. but I decided actually, uh, having read through it and looked at the the way it's sort of structured and moving along, I'm going to introduce a third bad guy. Oh, okay. Like throw and, it in. Yeah, reduce the input of one of them, and so because the the relationship going there is actually working quite well. Right. The other interesting thing there is I've noticed that my writing uh, is quite sparse right. and to the point. Okay. And talking with my wife uh, about, for example, we're talking about high school. My daughter's going to high school now this year. And so we're talking about memories of high school. And I sort of said, oh, I'll, I remember the lessons I took. I remember writing a lot of notes and I can remember those notes. Uh, so I can tell you about the geology and the, the physics mm. and the chemistry I learned there and, and a lot of the maths and 
you know, I started the computer club there and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what about your teachers? Uh, I could name my one science teacher <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Um, and then oh, what about the, the people you went to school with? Like I went, there were people in my class. Absolutely there were. Mm. I can name two of them. Three of them. I can mm. name three of them <laughs> out of like four years or six years of, of going from year seven to year 12 yeah. with 30 kids in a classroom, you know, swapping subject. I, I can name maybe three yeah. of them. I, they just, it just, it, it wasn't what I was paying attention to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I was reading my writing and I'm going, it's the same here. Like, like I'm interested in the plot yep. and getting to these points. And so my writing goes straight there, and I'm reading a bit of the uh, what's his name Peter Peter Hamilton. Mm-hmm. He's he's wrote a great series of things, but I'm reading one of his stories, and I've noticed that he sort of spends time in a character, yeah, and explores their thoughts and, and the stuff which isn't entirely plot based, like it's character yeah, characterisation, yeah. But yeah. you know, it's kind of um, luxuriating in the character for a bit because in a written form. You've got plenty of time for that. On a you know an hour and a half, you know science fiction romantic comedy, you kind of do have to get a little bit to the points. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. people wonder what do you you know whether Batman's ever going to fight Superman. Mm. Just you know, my little dig there at the Batman versus Superman, which goes for three hours, however long it is, and doesn't seem to actually have them fighting. At least not until the last ten minutes. I don't know what it is. Crazy. <laughs> I didn't watch that far. Um, yeah, so that, that's sort of what I've I've learnt about my writing and, yeah, cool. and what I'm doing there. So it's yeah. quite good. Um, that that sounds like a really great um, practical observation of your work, and yeah. then you can decide what you want to do with that going into the future. Then. Yeah, I yeah. I do like the bits where I'm on the plot points. I do them quite well. Mm. But what I need to cover off more is sort of personal wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. It's that whole show, don't tell. I've got a show. So, yeah, she goes after this because she's trying to help her friend. Mm. It's okay. Well, that's nice. But we can't just assume why on earth is she trying to help this? Why is this person her friend? Yeah, yeah. Why is she trying to help them? Does she have a history of that? You're like, you go, well, that's not important for the plot. Mm. Like, we can accept that she does like her friend. Yeah. And you go, yeah, sure. But, yeah, so I, I sort of need to, to explore that more. You know, what is the... You know, get a bit more um, stakes involved, mm. so so that people go, oh, you really do need this friend. Mm. She's very important to you. It's not just a a passing thing. You know, it's not just a yeah. normal friendship. This is important friendship. Yeah, yeah, capital yeah. I. Yeah. So that's what I thought. Yeah, interesting. And I mean, it's one of those funny things of. Um, you know, I, I really do think about, which to me is a terrific book series, is, you know, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, yes. And, um, you know, he you know he breaks a lot of rules in that book of what other writers will say makes a good book. But he does, he seems to break the rules and it's okay. But I was just thinking what you were saying there, that, you, you know, you have those two key characters in that storyline, uh, Lisbeth, you mm-hmm. know, Salant. Solander, is it? Yeah. By memory. Um, and I'm going to fig- totally now forget the journalist guy's name. And, the, you know, on, pa- on if you if you wrote down their characterizations and their descriptions, there's no reason why they should be in the same room together, if that makes sense. Yeah. But then, 
his journey and he, the things that he is lacking, she fulfills in the storyline. Yeah. So in the investigation of their crime, it kind of takes of the crimes they do in that story. It takes their, it takes both of those characters, everything both characters have to actually solve those crimes. Like one would never actually solved it. He fulfills her emptiness and then she fulfills his emptiness in the way detectives solve a crime. Like, I think that's why that is so powerful. Those books is that the two of them come together to actually work, you know? And even when you were talking about, I was just thinking about, about time that, you know, Mary as a character makes sense that she does fall in love with Tim and Tim falls in love with her. You know, like they're both a bit quirky. They're both a bit nerdy. They're both, they're both looking for love in a, in the, maybe in the wrong places, <laughs> but they, they do fit together, don't they? Like Mary's friend would not have fit with Tim. No. And Tim would not have fit with her. You know what I mean? Or with Charlotte. Or with Charlotte, yeah. who was kind of who he wanted to be with. And, um, again, really nice little plot point in this story that she returns and he's like realises he doesn't want to be with her, you know? Um, which, again, would be a very cliched example that mm. in another romantic comedy he would go and sleep with her and ruin the relationship, right? So, yeah. Awesome. And yourself? Uh, yeah, so I'm developing this feature script. This last couple of weeks, I've had a change of job and had a little bit of downtime there with the kids before the change of the job. So a little bit out of whack with the routine. But um, yeah, I'm going to get really, really into writing solidly very soon. Um, the beat board idea is there. I've vomited all over it in terms of like a real brainstorm of ideas. I've vomited words on it yes (laughs) not chunks of chicken and uh so now it's ready to kind of come off and be deciphered in some of its craziness because i have put some weird anecdotes on there but yeah it's really calling to me and i think i think ultimately as well as a filmmaker it's time not necessarily to just go out and make a feature but it's definitely time to take that next logical step which is possibly a low budget feature Excuse me, but also just um, I feel like this one is really fitting into probably the artiste that I want to be in that this is the story that I would like to tell and um, probably realising that, yeah, this the idea in this film is the theme that I want to explore a bit more. You know, I mean, Richard Curtis, if you do look at the types of films, like you said, Love Actually is another really big film of his, but even his other ones, I mean, he is in this romantic genre, isn't he? Yes, he's so got a number of them there. Yeah, so he's got a number of them. So so this is obviously a theme he wants to explore. Yes. So it's the same with me. So it's like realising, okay, there might be a theme here that I want to explore. And, um, yeah, that's something I've been working on for a few months and now I think this story is ready to come out. So, yeah, I'm really super excited. I've, I've kind of hatched a bit of a calendar plan to sit down and actually really write and Ooh. pull it out, yeah. I'll see if we can manage it. Yeah, yeah, in the coming months. So, yeah, hopefully each time we meet, there's some of those milestones are being met. Film festival-wise, Space Brains is returning for 2023. Yes, I've got myself a uh, writer all ready to go for the workshop there. Awesome. Once I get a contract signed, then we'll announce it and there'll be some social media action going on. Alex Proyas is not attending. Not attending. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we can say Alex Proyas. Uh, Alex Proyas, if you're Googling this podcast in the future. Uh, yeah, no, he's people. Uh, we're very excited by the thought of Space Brains, but can't promise that he'd be available at that point in time. So he will not be actually attending the 2023 festival. Future festivals, who knows? But yes, said keep in keep in touch. Keep in touch. They're which is always nice. Yeah, and they did congratulate Space Brains on what we've done and achieved so far. So at least we're on their radar, which is a good thing. That is very cool. Yeah, so they will be moving on to a couple other really cool sci-fi Australian filmmakers that hopefully we can get to come to the festival. So haven't got any other confirmations at this point in time, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks we will. Uh, we have a screening and red carpet venue. Yeah. The Reading Cinemas. Awesome, in Mandra. So, yes, in Mandra. So if you are a filmmaker who's submitted, if you haven't, then submit. If you have and you can make it down for the screenings, mm. you'll get to see it in an actual honest-to-goodness cinema. Yeah. There'll be uh, banners and posters up. You get your walk-on in there, take get some photos. Awesome. It'll be a wonderful experience to be able to sit in a real cinema with a sticky floor and the popcorn <laughs> smell and... And watch your film. That's right, yeah. So we're excited about that as well. So, yeah, there's finishing touches coming to the festival and we'll, we'll announce and more and more and stay tuned. Obviously, follow on socials to, to keep up touch. If you haven't made your film yet, get cracking, get it done get right Get those now. last finishing touches in yeah. and, and submit. Because submit. <laughs> there will be closing in, it's about March, is it? I think March, end of March, something like that. Submissions March, close. March, April. March, April. Check yes, out Film Free Pretty soon. Pretty soon. Pretty it's getting soon. closer and closer. We're going to have the fun of sitting down and watching all those movies again that we did we, last year. Was cool. We had a we got a submission from Iran Ooh, this year. Awesome. Which is interesting because we can't uh, get they can't pay because banking isn't allowed. Where there's this uh, embargoes. Mm. Uh, but the fellow actually sent me a link of his trailer and the full film mm-hmm. as I had a quick look at it and it's a it's a lovely dystopian science fiction animation. Cool. Um, it's got no, it's one of these ones without any speaking in it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's all done through action and sound and, and visuals and music. Yeah, right. Awesome. And I thought, gee, that's really good. Uh, so, yes, these come along with that one because we, I get people asking them, yeah, and it's just like a, you know, I would like to have a free entry, please. Yeah, yeah. And you look over and there's no links anywhere. There's no information about them. It's just a, it's a pro forma thing. This guy personally spoke to me, gave me his, uh, you know, the, the link, um, responded to my email uh, very quickly. Good start. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this is a genuine fellow. Yep. You know. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. So, yeah, if, if you're in, you know, Iran or uh, I guess – Russia or someplace and there's you're having trouble, don't be afraid to reach out, but make sure you do know that we are a science fiction film festival <laughs> and, you know, like demonstrate that you genuinely want to participate and yeah. you're not just trying to get freebies. Yes. Yes. There you go. Sounds good. Stay tuned for more. Follow to learn more about it. Okay. So let's move into the plot and some of the other key parts of film uh narrative no film language and codes and conventions and we've touched on a few things but we'll kind of pick on some other bits throughout camera lighting sound those sorts of things um a little bit about social commentary whatever we think in regards to about time as we mentioned this was written and directed by richard curtis great british 
filmmaker, kind of in that realm of uh, romantic comedies. Love Actually is a Christmas com- uh, romantic comedy film. Yes. It's a go-to film, blockbuster, you know, British film that I think gets shown around Christmas time probably. He's everywhere. also the uh, writer of things like Black Adam, Mr. Yeah. Bean. Yeah. A lot of, you know, comedy there. Was was another one of those British comedies other than Bean and Blackadder. Anyway. Yeah, he's, he's, he's done a whole range of he's, stuff. He's got some great writing credits. He does. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, this, uh, we have Dominal Gleeson, who, you know, now is a superstar. He's in all sorts of films. Uh, the Star Wars recent series he was in. Um, but, yeah, all sorts of films he's been around in TV. This was a big breakout role for him. He was in Harry Potter with his dad. Yeah, Harry Potter. He's won um, awards for his stage work. Yep. Is a bit of a stage actor. We mentioned Bill Niley, who to me I'd known and seen, but this film really resonated with me, and he's he's a superstar. Uh, Rachel McAdams as well, American act, actor who's uh, been in a whole bunch of stuff. Still remember Mean Girls, uh, you know, as a standalone. And interesting enough, yeah. pretty similar timing. She is in the Time Traveler's Wife with Eric Banner, ah. which is a sci-fi time travel romantic comedy as well. Is Actually, that, no, it's not a comedy. I was going to say, I didn't yeah, know. It's a romantic com- drama. Yeah, there's not, not the comedy. So that's kind of the serious version of this film in a oh, way. Oh, okay. But it's a bit different again. But, yeah, um, yeah that she's in both those films. Pretty similar timing as well. Um, I think that came out a couple of years before this one. Uh, and Margot Robbie uh, stars in this, which I don't think I realised who she really was when I saw this the first time. No, well, 2013, she wasn't. She wasn't kicking her um, suicide squad chops. No, no. Because that, I think, is really what sort of has brought attention is uh, her Harley Quinn. And, well, I, Tonya as well, was her dramatic... I'm not sure if she won an Oscar or was nominated for that, but that was before... um, That was her big breakout American role. That that got her some... Superhero. That roles. got her the that got her the critical success, which led to the commercial success of Harlequin or whatever. Yeah, 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 and and so forth from there. But before this, she'd been a huge star in Neighbours here in Australia, but that wasn't something I watched. So yeah. <laughs> the British probably cast her from that, you know, um, because oh, they do love Neighbours and Home and Away over there. And what I love to see with this is a twelve million dollar budget and a return was eighty eight point five million. That's a pretty healthy return well, in my mind. I was reading they were looking. For for a fancy time travel special effect because mm. they're going for that and they, they looked at their concepts and they just went, you know what, Who it cares? doesn't really suit it because we're not trying to, you know, do a Back to the Future here. Yeah, We've got something we don't flashy. need a DeLorean. So they just went, we'll just have them go in a cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> in fact, I think it might have even been a bit of a nod towards Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah, it? Yeah. Just, just Doctor, get in a box. Doctor Who just walks into a, a nondescript box. And yeah. There, there you go. There's, there's nothing too think, flashy. You know, it's interesting you say that because the tone of the film, it's suited that he just went into a dark space. And I think he says a great line, like, cupboards are great, toilet at a pinch. You yes. know, like, that's a very British way of explaining, yeah, yeah, just somewhere that's a bit quiet. You'll be fine. Quiet and private, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we do like to break down um, the narrative into some common elements that you can find in from all good story and script writing teachers. Some of them are Campbell, Schneider, McKee and Field. Basically where there is a three-act structure, this is nothing new, you know, Shakespeare did this three-act structure, um, but 
breaking it a little bit deeper into some key moments and what some people call beats and scenes. Um, I think beats are always a bit more important because beats are those, what we say, emotional beats. So it's not just a plot point. It's something actually is turning on a dime, as they say. Yeah. So to demonstrate, we always like to give examples of these three-act structure. And I will start tonight, sorry, oh, okay. where we open image is coming in on a big office building and there's a hard-working perfectionist. Oh, dear. Single mum who loves her job. She's working in the field she's always wanted to work in. Suddenly the boss calls her in and fires her. That's not the inciting in this incident. This has all happened in the first couple of minutes of the film. Yeah, this, this is, this so this is just, just a characterization. This is just like, oh, my God, we've met this woman. She's really great. She loves her job. And bang, she's fired. Oh, right? no. As she's walking out with her stolen box of stationery yes. out onto the street, she's confronted by a portal. Ooh, what's it a portal? That's the question, isn't it? Yeah, and so to me, that would be the inciting incident. Is now there's this portal on this city street. It is that point where, if I was watching this film, that's the point where I'd go, "Oh, oh, this story is going to be about." Does she see something through that portal? Maybe we get a glimpse of what maybe is on the other side of the portal. Yeah, and I mean that's that's where I'll just leave that a little bit open. But to me, the portal. So this is what we mean by some beats. So we've had the setup. This woman. Then we've had a little bit of, you know, talking about who she is. We see that she's a perfectionist. We find out she's a single mum, maybe even just the photo on the desk of her kids. Maybe she abuses men to her colleagues, whatever, right? You know, loving her job and then shock horror, fired. Um, so we, we, this is what we call the setup. Uh, but, but then the actual walking out and she's devastated. What am I going to do with my life now? And here is this portal. The portal is the example of an inciting incident. It's like... And what does she do? Does she walk into the portal or does she run screaming for her life? Well, see, I would suggest initially she would avoid it because mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's this shock. Yeah. This is a call to adventure. If, if you're going to look at the hero's journey, you, know, mm. you get called adventures. She's like, you know, what am I going to do with things? Um, the bottom of her box full of stationery has dropped out and her favorite <laughs> right. world's greatest architect, because she's an architect apparently, okay. mug yeah. breaks. And you know, so this then that's symbolic of her changing life is like smashed, broken dreams, broken. Yeah. And there's this portal, and and she suddenly jumps back, and she's she's going to be going, holy, holy crap! Yeah. And she'll you know she'll back away from it. Maybe she'll yell for people, but people just sort of see some crazy woman with you know holding a, a broken box, and maybe she's spilled her coffee on herself. Yeah. So she's kind of looking a bit disreputable. Yeah. And people are going, oh, okay, I'm just going to ignore this person mm. who's clearly having a bad day. I don't want to be <laughs> dragged in this bad day. And so this is the debate, of course, is where she's sitting there and she'll look uh, and, and she'll go, oh, I can't, this is too don't much. Go into the portal. She sees something not. in the portal and yeah. and she, she'll look across the street at the bus. It's just under, the bus you'd catch home is just starting to pull up. And mm-hmm. so she can see, okay, that's my home yeah yeah that's go continue on with whatever this so-called life is that i have yeah that she suddenly realized not so great or she can look in the portal and in the portal actually maybe she sees something else like a like a, maybe a spaceship or something mm. we can't tell quite what it is just yet pull up so it's almost a mirror of like i can take that mm-hmm. transport or i can take that transport and maybe at the same time some people are walking into the portal Ooh, and yes. some people are not. Some people are ignoring it they're, altogether. They're running away from it, screaming. Oh. You know, maybe even the police rock up and 
they're not sure whether they should fire their guns on it or not. Mm. And so this is the choice. She's got the choice. This is the debate. And then someone is going to try and grab her and pull her back. Yeah. So, because that's going to force a decision. Yeah. She can't. She can't just stand there forever. Someone's going to grab her and say, "Come on, quick! You've got to get away." And, and this could be the commotion: is that now everyone's come out. So maybe her fellow architects have come out. The ones that we saw earlier. Maybe her boss and is like, "Well, you can't go into the portal. You'll be throwing your life away if you go yeah. in that portal." And that's where she she realized she goes. She looks down her broken best architect mud and she goes, "I don't have a life. Yeah, here. I've lost my life because she's this workaholic perfectionist." Mm. She jumps through that portal. Yeah. To, to, and this is, of course... Act two. Act two. She's chosen act two, which is an important point. You need that point where the hero decides that they're going to go on that That's journey. Right. Because we're with them. Yeah. And we want them to do it. Yeah. If she just gets the bus and goes home. That's, 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 that's It's a one-act movie. <laughs> it's that a one-act one. story, isn't it? Yes, yes. So she, she's jumping in and she's chosen act two. And this is the fun and games. This is where we're going to explore what it means to go into this portal. What mm. this thing, this this vehicle she saw pulling up. Yeah. And she, she's going to get on board. What does that mean? And what are these crazy people? What about the other people who went through this portal as well? Mm-hmm. That's um, right. And that's, that's where we're going to have uh, most of our... Adventure, yeah, is in this act two in the fun and games, yeah, and yeah. I mean, she, she does. She go, she goes in there, and you know, she jumps on this passing f- hover vehicle that you know shoots her off across a landscape, and she crawls into the back like it's a open tray back. And there's there's some other looking bewildered looking city people going, "Holy crap!" Yeah, where are we? And and What's we, we maybe get a bit of a conversation here and go like. You know, do you know where we're going? And there's no, I don't know where we're going. I, and, you know, maybe she'll probably rant to them. What the hell are you doing? Just jumping through a portal. You don't know where you're going. What's going on? Mm. So, so someone, someone says, well, yeah. okay, wise guy, why are you here? Yeah. And she's like, because my other options sucked too yes. hard. That's right. And everyone sort of, you know, there's that quiet pause where everyone just kind of looks at each other. Mm. As they all realize that's actually why they're all here too. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But you know, there's probably a couple of different characters here that, yeah, that yeah. we'll we'll play around with, and we'll uh, we'll probably you know if it's that sort of film, we're going to kill one of them off, yeah, because we've got to make it serious. You know, the fun and games has to come to an end. It does. So maybe on that fun and games, it's also that you know this is an alien planet, mm. and there's alien creatures, friendly and foe, and you know the environment is a bit different. We've got to kind of work out that she was a perfectionist, so here does the perfectionist or the perfectionism, does that kind of work in her favour or does it not work? Does she does she get to rely upon her engineering skills? I oh, see. I think you initially... Know, they come out and... So initially she, it would work in her favour because yeah, this, this, be, this is the whole thing about like uh, the midpoint. Yeah. is like she'll continue her same actions. Yes. So she'll start organising the work. people yeah, that she's right. with. Yeah. She'll, you know, gets to some settlement where... There's, you know, so there's there's um a a water wheel that's yeah. not working very well, and she can fix it. Everyone seems to be satisfied that it is. And she goes, no, no, like you this, and so she goes and fix it, and she's a bit of a celebrity for that. You're that's like this right. is yeah, successful. Turns out that you know what she was in trouble for in the past mm. is helping here until we yeah. get to the midpoint, because the midpoint is where things turn. Yeah, uh, and this is where we need to, because we can't just have it all success and then. Again, that's a one-and-a-half-act film. That's right. <laughs> so instead we get to the point now where she's standing there in front of the crowd being praised for her fixing of the water wheel and uh, that's all really good. But then um, the 
other people that she was trying to help sort of turn up and mm. she left them behind on, oh, the, no. on the truck and they had to walk all the way back. And they accused her of she took the water. Mm. And, you know, she kind of knew she shouldn't at the time but it didn't seem that important. And now, you know, her award is stripped away from her because it turns out she's not a hero. No. She, she took the water from the people who were trying to, you know, get by as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, and maybe it's that by fixing the water wheel, it's actually benefited this community but disadvantaged the next community because now there's no water oh, or no. the water's flowing too fast down the river. And they're coming up with war on mine, and so now That's we're going right. to get like a, a cool battle scene. That's it. But it's a bit of devastation. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, she's getting chased not only by the guys invading because mm. they've had their water taken off them, but then the place that she thought she was helping, mm. they're sort of mad at her. They're like, they yeah. see her and they go to chase her. So she's, she's being, you know, the bad guys are closing in at this point. So, so everything she thought she'd built up is starting yeah. to break down. Yeah. And this is where one of her fellow travellers would probably die because we'd yes. have a nice um, death scene. Oh, yes. All we, is we, lost, need, we need a rock know? bottom where she's, yeah. she crawls up out of, you know, having jumped off a cliff and swum through a river, fought off a skinny killer fish, <laughs> crawled up on the bank and she realised that, Everything she had done was all wrong. She's yeah. killed someone. And that boss that fired her was right. Yes. Oh, my God. So she's kind of worse off now than she was when she got fired and walked into the portal. So yes. she's or everything she's done has been wrong. You it's know, a- so this is that bottoming out, side of the road, no money in your pocket and it's raining. Yeah. And I she's mean- on this planet and it's. Raining gum nuts onto her head. Oh or something. no, honky nuts! Really, bloody hurting. You know? Yeah, yeah. I've done. Wish, wishing that she'd never gone through the portal. Yeah, she'd you never know? gone through and, that portal. And maybe this is really a good example that, well, here's another portal. Oh, portal back. Portal right? back. So does she go into the portal and go just go back because you just keep doing what she's always done, or does she? stay and realise the lesson that she's learnt is she needs to let go of perfectionism. She needs to work with other people and she let them do She needs to work with other people, yeah. And this guy who died, and she watched him die, mm. he had a sister. Mm. Mm, a sister, you say. Yes, there's another one with a force. No, a sister who <laughs> she saw had been, you know, taken captive. Right. But a sister tried to talk to her earlier about what she was doing. Yeah. And so she goes, okay, I've, I've got to... You know, I've, I've let this guy die. I've let this community get attacked. I've got to save her. Yeah. So that's, and that's Act 3 is coming to that. Where yeah, well, that is Act 3. Once yeah, she makes that decision, in, I'm not going to go in the portal. I'm going to go save this other, we're going yeah. to work as a team. We're going to come back. So she gets back to the woman, you know, pleads for forgiveness, explains that she's got a plan. And maybe those other people that were on that uh, vehicle that we talked about before, who are all kind of lost and dishevelled and don't trust her. She's the only little beam of light and she's got some sort of action plan to go back to the, you know, back into the belly of the beast, so uh, to speak, and, and say see, to them, hey, you know, I did build you that water wheel. You can trust me. I'm going to build you something else. But I'm not just going to build it. We're going to build and that's, it. And that's the key is that everyone's expecting is, yeah, yeah, here you are. You're going to take our yeah. water. You're going to fix the water wheel. You're going to... Have one of us killed again. That's not yeah. But she's, yeah, she's turned around and she's realised, no, 
other people are going to be involved, even though they may not do it the same way I do it. And she might turn to that woman, the, the sister character, yes. and say, in fact, she's got, a, she's got the idea. And yes. everyone's a bit shocked with that. She's given over her power to someone else. Well, and, they, and, and then they just enact the um, idea and it works yeah. perfectly. No. No. <laughs> Act 3 never works that way, does no. it? There's so always a hiccup. There's something that turns around. They do work well together. That's got to oh, work. Yeah. You know, yeah, she, yeah. she's let go of perfectionism. She's, she's learned this new skill. And guess what? The team does work well. They build uh, some sort of warring device out of... Those gum nuts I was telling you about. Oh man, a gum nut slinger. This, this other party that's coming in, you know, these other creatures that are war, you know, ready for a fight club. They're coming in for a battle, but they're not expecting this new gum nut leaf blower machine thing. And bam, they're hit. But you know, they weren't just. They can't fall over that easily. They've got to, you know, win a bit of the battle. Don't no, no, they? They, they. Some of them actually have like bike helmets on because that's right. When I'm riding my bike, yeah, sometimes the you know I go under a tree and those little. Gum nuts, gum nuts they, do hit you, yeah. They hit me through the little gaps in the helmet, mm. but other times they don't. And this is where, you know, she is now working as a team member but realises that, well, she could use some of her engineering craft. Yeah, she does have some powers. And maybe that water wheel she fixed up could accelerate the gum nuts if the rest of the team agree with it. Yes. And so she's kind of mixing those two things together and... Just when they're about to get overridden, she helps that other woman character to to use the water wheel as the ultimate device. The ultimate device of catapulting, catapulting small <laughs> deadly things, <laughs> and uh, they and they defeat them. They defeat them. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty good. Then it's uh, she fixes the water wheel so it allows enough water through to the other civilization, yeah. the other other settlement too. Yeah. And then we get a final image then. has got to be a bit of a bookend then of her opening image where she's in an office tower. Mm. So maybe we can have her in a, a building in the settlement, which is yeah. like got people architecting and engineering away in it. Mm-hmm. And initially it's going to zoom in on her just alone at her desk. Yeah. And then it'll probably pan a little bit and we'll see that actually she's not alone at her desk. No. She's got a team of other people sitting around the same table and then she puts her idea in mm. and then people discuss it and yeah. she listens. And maybe she's actually teaching. So it's like, you know, the ultimate, like, you know, other people are like, this is an idea. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's all right. That's a good idea. You know, like bringing on these other people's yeah, ideas. The, yeah. The end. The end. <laughs> Credits. That's it. Credits roll. And scene. End scene. Yes, it's wonderful. So, I mean, I, I hope you sort of get a bit of an idea of these beats to go through. And we'll take this through when we, we're going to discuss now the exact same beats. Now, we're going to talk about About Time and how it fits in there and how uh, Richard has managed to make use of, you know, his camera and his audio and, you know, told his story. Mm. Using these beats. So one thing with the camera for this whole film is that it's kind of point of view shot, so handheld camera. It's not super shaky like we're in a war, like Saving Private Ryan or when we saw Edge of um, Tomorrow, you know, Tom Cruise, which is a time travel loop movie. Um, Go back and listen to that and watch that movie if you have a chance. But it's not so much point of view handheld cameras in to make us vomit, but it's definitely very intimate. So he, he uses that handheld camera throughout the whole film consistently yeah. um, to probably just bring us into the, you know, like we're having an intimate 
relationship for this whole movie, and, I would say. And I think what I noticed also is a lot of eye-level sort of camera work. You, yeah. you, so you do get the feeling that you're in observing it. You're in there's, there with there's them. none of these sort of sweeping drone shots no. or big establishing shots. No. You know, that sort of would would uh, try to indicate grandeur or loneliness or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and I think like what I was saying before about the family love in this film, like I think that's the thing, like he's tried to settle us into this family, like we are a family member, you know, so we're there, there, they go on the beach and they have tea and biscuits and sandwiches that take far too long and we're just sitting there with them, right? Like so, uh, and even when we do get to that climax scene, you know, it's us watching the father and the son, we're on the beach with them sort of thing, you mm. know. So, yeah, there's this whole shakiness, but as I said, not to the extremity of a horror film shakiness like Blair Witch or Edge of Tomorrow, action, high action, war scenes where you want to be a soldier, but it's definitely point of view as in the whole movie's a bit moving um, and maybe there's also a bit of symbolism there, fluid movement like time is, you know, not fluid, mm. right, but the perception of time is fluid. Yes, it's quite nice. <laughs> so we have, the, and we also have this voiceover from Tim. Who uh, look, voiceovers can really ship me. They mm. can really ship me to tears. But this voiceover is really great because he doesn't give us um, exposition. He gives us like what he is. Uh, he's giving us the expectations of his character, and there's a big difference there. So he's not just telling us what we've been shown also on the screen. He's actually kind of giving us. Um, this this kind of bigger understanding of him as a character and and the way that he describes people and the way that he describes himself, like that's what he's doing there. You know? yeah. And it complements, it doesn't juxtapositions what we're seeing actually on screen. It's not annoying. No, I, <laughs> I found it um, quite soothing. Like, yeah. it, it, it blends in well, mm. so much so that when you just now said, oh, it's, it has his voice error, I thought, oh, yeah, it does, he... He, I remember there's a few sort of montage bits during the film where he discusses yeah. stuff, yeah. you know, um, whilst we're being shown something yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yes, indeed. So this whole setup is really Tim. He grows up in Cornwell. He's got this really loving father, James, is the father, <laughs> and mother Mary. Um, and he's got this weird absent-minded uncle Desmond and this free-spirited younger sister, Catherine, or Kit Kat, which is a great name. Um, we are showing at the beginning like a New Year's Eve party, which, as we we're just saying, the tea and biscuits. We kind of get, a, in a way, a montage of family life it's quirky but i mean he you see so much of him like he's um kind of awkward and he's not very social and he doesn't really know how to connect other people and he's and he's there there's some girl throwing herself at him yeah. and he's just kind of doesn't know what to do yeah not ignoring her but yeah just sort of and looking all, awkward and yeah and he kind of ruins the moment doesn't he as yeah. well like that's sort of the point of that that whole moment is that you know the countdown to new year's eve everyone kisses and it's quite elongated that kiss with everyone but he handshake he gives her a handshake <laughs> and she's bitterly disappointed you know yes. which the rest of us could understand you know she was I, giving I as many can, cues i i can put myself in his shoes so i, I can too yeah sit there going oh, i don't want to overstep any bounds here and i'm not sure how this all works. It, it, to me, it felt the awkwardness probably from my, like he's 21 in this and he mm. does say he's 21 pretty much. He goes, oh, it's, you know, or just being my 21st birthday, I think is how it maybe opens. But 
to me it rela- I was very it was very relatable to probably how I was in high school like in you had a few of those moments with girls and parties and things that you were just not I was not aware of really what was going on and doing what he does in this you know yeah. where, you, where people were giving you attention and you're just like yeah sure we're friends handshakes and you know not really realizing that someone was actually genuinely showing interest and someone else has to come up to you and go you do know that they like you and you go what huh oh what do you mean like what what do you mean like 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 yeah they've given you love notes in class oh i thought they were passing me notes from the about the class yeah (laughs) they did come to that awful birthday party you three i thought everyone came to that you know like not realizing the cues and that's kind Mm. of what he is he's very awkward and not in touch in this opening scene well the thing that gets me now of course as a grown up is I realise that in those cases, it's also the case that the other person doesn't really know. Like they sort of go, I, I think I'll. This is this must be expressing an interest or whatever. Yeah. And then he doesn't. Re- yeah. Tim just kind of doesn't respond appropriately. It'd be easy just to think, oh, look, you know, she's somehow knowledgeable and knows how relationships are supposed to work. But she's only like twenty or twenty-one yeah. as well, and you know. Exactly, only slightly more socially aware than he is. Yeah. So yeah. So you can imagine. Then now I'm looking at that. She's not just disappointed that he's not reciprocating, but she would also be going thinking, oh, "I've done something wrong. This is. I thought. I thought. You know, if I sort of hung out and smiled, and at the you know the countdown, I sort of moved in close and looked up at him. Yeah. That that was that's the way you do it, yeah. right? And then as soon as that, like, no, that's not it. Okay, that's really yeah. So it's it's actually a double awkward moment there. I think yeah. as opposed to when I was younger, I just assumed everyone else just knew how everything worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was just me who didn't. Well, I mean, I- and a lot of these connotations we learn from films and TV, and it's not a pro- you know they can be inappropriate and <laughs> not not relevant. And, well, yeah, it depends and, on which that, films you watch. That's what I meant by you know it felt a little bit maybe younger than twenty one, but I think that added to. He's 21, but he's really socially awkward. Yes, he's stuff. especially so, so. Yeah, so he's very nerdy. He's not. He's not the confident type. Because you see that the boyfriend of Kit Kat. You know, he's he's more the opposite. Isn't he? He's like he the does. James Dean. He walks in. He's very suave. He's you know styled. He's on the prowl. Someone. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got, got an amazing. You know, shock of hair. Shock and- of hair. Yeah, but he he seems to kind of you know it's not that awkwardness. He would he would have kissed that girl. You know, just because that's what it would have happened. You yes. Know? Um, so there's that, to me, it's that characterization. So this setup, he's awkward, he's shy, he's uncomfortable. Um, and basically to me, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well is, so that's the setup to, to me, it is still the setup when Tim learns from his father that the men in the family have the ability to travel back in time. So to me, that's not the inciting incident until, yeah. They sort of talk about that and they explain some of those rules and it's when he decides he will use it to improve his love life. Yeah. So to me, that's the inciting incident. The, the and inciting that incident. Then, yeah. That then, let me just finish my justification, that then also makes that opening scene so pivotal is that he had a woman or a girl kind of throwing <laughs> herself at him and he couldn't, he didn't really know what to do. So... You know, yeah, for him, it shouldn't be about money or, uh, you know, fame or, you know, f- killing Hitler. For him, it is about solving his love life. Yes. And so it makes that opening scene even more powerful. No, I agree. And if I keep 
keep going with my idea of, of an inciting incident as being when the audience goes, aha, that's what this film is going to be about. It's not about, oh, you can time travel. Ooh, what's that, you know, what yeah, yeah. experiment should I do? That's definitely, you know, the lead up to it where you, it's almost the... That's the what is. The start of the sneeze, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the actual <laughs> kachu moment is when it says, and what are you going to do? And he's like, ooh, love, you know. Yeah, I it's want, about love, yeah. I, I want to, you know, I want a girlfriend. Yeah. And now suddenly you go, that's what this film's going to be about. Mm. And it's funny you say that awkward moment with the girl at the party because immediately you sort of think, oh, well, just he's going to go back to that party because there, there are a couple of moments there where yeah. any time travel film where someone's walking through and then someone fumbles through and goes, oh, excuse me, and smashes, smashes something. glasses of You know, it's like, and- yeah, that's one of those moments. You're gonna, you've got to remember that because later on they're going to show us again. They're going to show that again and that's how we know it's a, or they're going to avoid it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like all of those characters in Groundhog Day that he meets <laughs> along the way. They're all really large and laughing crazy mm. so that you definitely remember them yeah. as you go through it again. Yeah. Um, and but that's of course, what he does, right? <laughs> and, and of course, though, he, uh, you know, Tim goes, you know, love, and he doesn't even think of that party. No. That's how bad he is at this. Yes. Because had he even thought about it, he didn't even realize that this girl was into him. He, I would have thought the obvious thing would be to go, oh, well, I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk to her and I'm going to kiss her. Mm. Yeah, but no, he doesn't do that at all. Not at all. No. So the and what's great about this to me then is the debate is that then straight away um, he's throwing Kit Kat the next summer. He's throwing Kit Kat and Charlotte, yes. who's played by Robbie Margot, of course. So this beautiful young woman rocks up. And to me this is the debate then because it's like, okay, I can time travel, I can kind of fix things, I can make things better and can I make it work for love? Yes. Right? So here's the perfect experiment. It's a it's a great little, it's a mini debate on can he use time travel to actually win over this woman, like and this I, young girl. And this is an interesting one of these points where you do get a bit subverted because yeah. it could have been quite almost creepy. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I was watching Ground. I brought Groundhog Day. I watched it the, not too long ago, and that's kind of a bit creepy. Like part of the way through, there, Bill Murray's character gets is he gets a bit dark. He's he's a bit creepy in that he's sort of just fixated on trying to sleep with um, Annie McDowell. Annie McDowell's yeah. character to the point where he's he's yeah, like even you know he's going no right right, and then he does it the whole really <laughs> awkward ah ha, yeah kids yeah I love kids yeah like and he's yeah. sort of going oh my god this is awful yeah. yeah. This op- that opportunity presented itself here with him going back, you know, yeah. learning, you know, her hobbies and interests and, and trying to pay, you know, but it, it doesn't. Instead, he discovers the futility of trying to win someone who's not really all that interested in you. Yeah, and that, that's, that is, that's what's great about this. So the debate to me is like he, he has the superpower. Yes. Right, and he, he's then given the bait, which yeah. is this beautiful young woman, and he also, as a as a film, you know, she goes, she there's sunbaking, and he go, and uh, she goes, can you put sunscreen on me? And he comes over and he squirts and <laughs> he just goes, sprays it all is, over. Oh, her. oh yes, oh yes, oh, and and it's, like, so it's the perfect example, right? Like, yeah. oh, run off and go into the closet and come back, and then I love it because this also sets a good comedic tone. Is like she goes, can you put some sunscreen on my back? And he goes. Just wait a moment. Yes, he's right. like so much more suave, yeah. you know. And then he comes over and he warms up his hands, like to give her a massage. She's like, "Oh, nice." And what you're then leading to is great because then they fast, you know, 
he he's smitten by her. He's all into her. And you're right, but he doesn't go the creepy thing. He doesn't creep around the house and just jump in the cupboard every time he says the wrong thing to yeah. set it all up perfectly. And, you know, the next thing you know, it's the last night where she's going to leave and he goes to her and he he does spill the beans and say, you know, like, we, I really do love you and, you know, maybe we can make something out of this. And she says, oh, if only you'd done it early. Yeah. <laughs> like, only if it wasn't the last night. It kind of makes me feel like an afterthought. And uh, he's like, so it's the last night thing. And so it's like, ah, debate. It's still in the debate here. Yeah. It's like... So now he can use the power to go back to the start of the holiday and try it again. And he does. And it's just greatly shown in this film. You know, like there's no other scene in between. He just jumps and he comes in on her and she's fresh there. And he again says, oh, look, we know what's going to happen. We're going to fall in love. Why don't we just start tonight? And she goes, why don't you wait to the last night? And so there's a real great magical bit there isn't it because he's been given the superpower he's got to play it out he's tried both versions she's not interested and this is one of the lessons he learns because he learns a couple of lessons about life yeah is that you can't make someone love you no you can't like it doesn't matter how much you know their favorite flavor of ice cream or you are so suave and cool and and this is quite reassuring for myself as a young man <laughs> being tremendously awkward we think if only i hadn't run over and you know emptied the whole bottle of sunscreen on her back like an <laughs> idiot and and blurted out stupid things it, you know, she would I, still love me. I would be in there. And you go, well, no, no, not necessarily. And I think that's the, what we're saying before about the romantic comedy thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, in the romantic comedy, they, they, the power there in a romantic comedy would be to like, oh, time to, oh, he comes back and he puts it on perfectly. Oh, now she loves him. Yeah. No, she still doesn't love him. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what this, again, that's what this film does well. It's like, oh, no, it's not just that love story like that he they are going to have to actually fall in love yeah, there's yeah. going to be some effort yeah and and that is of course where he he goes off to london yep and he sort of hasn't really tried again to no make use of his power for love forming yeah and in fact his life takes love away from him he's he moves in with this a sort of so-called friend of his father who doesn't like his father, but he doesn't like anything, you know, and he's a playwright and he's trying to, you know, write a play. Uh, I love that line where he's like, when you came to the front door, I was having the best idea in 10 years, you little shit. (laughs) Such a great, like, line in the film. Uh, you know, and so so he's he's not happy, but because he's a lawyer or you know like a young lawyer, so he's doing all the dirty work for the older lawyers. Um, and you know he's with this man, and there's no women in sight really. Um, so the break into two, but I mean it, to head to the break into two is that then he goes out with his friend Jay, and they go to this um blind date restaurant that you're literally blind. Well, I remember and- in Melbourne, this was a a popular. Was it trend at one point? Cool. These, yeah, basically, you know, pitch black. Yeah, some of them you just wore a blindfold, mm. and then the waiters did their thing. Some of them were like that. They, they turned the lights off, and the waiters wore night vision goggles. You know, that was the gimmick. <laughs> is it that? Yeah. Um, but I never got to go, and I I always thought it would be kind of fun to sort of go along there and and be blind. Like first of all, that that kind of adds a bit of interest to the mm. date itself. Gives you both something to talk about. Definitely. And 
yeah, again, that idea is supposed to be that love is blind. Mm. Yeah, that if you actually have a real connection with a person, you're not being distracted by their looks. Mm. Uh, so I thought it was pretty interesting. And he does, he goes in there with Rory, who's kind of the um, yeah, the typical sidekick that you have in a romantic comedy. Isn't that Jay? Who is Jay? No, no. Oh, sorry, he goes with Jay. Rory's the yeah. other Rory's goose the lawyer. The lawyer. Right, yeah, yeah. No, no, Jay, Jay's the, yeah. the other sidekick who's yeah. who's a little bit um, over the top and a bit yeah. too... Super energetic and... Energetic, yeah. He's obvious. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. And that so, we, so they go to this restaurant and, and they match up with Mary and her friend and, um, yeah, they, they have good banter. And I mm. think that's the opposite with Charlotte, the Margot Robbie characters, that he has this weird banter. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think yeah. it's, I think that they had to do it at night yeah. because, uh, in the dark, because it had to really emphasise the fact that mm. they, uh, whereas uh, Charlotte, Margot's character, she's just gorgeous. You know? Yeah. It's Margot Robbie. And, you know, she's being portrayed as gorgeous. Yeah, that's it. And so, and this is the opposite. This is like, okay, well, you don't, you're not you don't being distracted know. by the yeah. fact that she's pretty or not. Yeah. You just got to talk to this person. And I think that gives him a bit more confidence as well. But I liked it as well because, you know, film is about light on screen. You you can't take a photo without light. You yes. need light. It's a basic thing with film. And uh, so it was an interesting decision here to do a scene. Like works for narrative, you know, mm. like to be blind doesn't work that well on film but I thought it was a really interesting take on it right like it was something that hasn't been done before it, it worked I'm, I'm surprised that it did work yeah, as well it as work. it did like yeah. because uh, I was watching it this like this most recent time where I was really having a bit of a space yeah. brains the eye on it thinking yeah. I remember the previous times I've watched this I've, it's not bothered me this no, time but no. so I was going what is it and and there is a risk to it you do see some reflections you yeah. do hear movements you do sort of see a couple little glints of things mm. but you don't really see anything and it's all just um a lot of talking back yeah. and forward and it it cuts quickly so it you does. don't end up with uh, a silent because if you could see them you'd end up with one of those quiet moments where one of them fidgets with something and sort of yeah. looks nervous that's right you know in this one none of that it's all cut out it's only their dialogue and they're having a great time they are so to me this breaks into two like he's found a girl who, who actually seems to like him. Who seems to like so him. So that's, there we um, go. It doesn't have to try and force yeah. it. So he's, he's, that, to me, this breaks into two. Um, but then he, here he, uh, she gives him, yeah, when she gives her him her, her phone number. Yes. So to me, that's like, oh, okay. So now's the fun in games. He's found someone that they've got a quality in their relationship and I guess that's also the darkness is there's a quality in it because she is stunning, Rachel McAdams, anyway, uh, probably way outside his league. But Kind of lucky, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, lucky that that was in the darkness. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's definitely that then it, she gives him her number, so therefore, oh, he's found someone, he likes her, she likes him. Okay, so how's this now going to play out? How's it going to go? Fun and games, right? With like, the time travel yeah, element. Yeah, so now that he's got this time travel and he's got the woman, okay, how's it going to work? And this is really great because he gets back to the apartment and the um, the the playwright has... Harry, is it? Yeah. Is it Harry? Yeah, it is Harry. Yeah. Um, he's devastated and he explains that the opening night of this play, the actor had... The blank. His star actor forgot his lines. Forgot his lines, and and so this is what everyone's going to remember. It doesn't matter how good the play was, the the star, and he's like, oh, 
I could use my time travel. Yes. And so, great, you know, like you knacked on it. So he does, and it's a really great scene. He goes yeah, into one of the It's a really good save the cat scene. He has yeah, his time willing... travel power and he's using it to, to help, help this guy who is just clearly a, like he's a, a dick. Yeah, he's a dick to him most but, of the time. But but he can sort of see that he's a frustrated guy that just wants a bit of acting, you know, fun, yeah. a bit of action, a bit of bit of play. So he does, he goes and he explains it to one actor. He tell him to oh, just learn your lines and you know, this actor, great old actor. Is it Dudley? Yeah. Dudley's dad in, yeah. in the Harry Potter. There's a couple of Harry Potter connections here. There is, and he's a great actor, that guy. He's been always he tells him to fuck off and yes. <laughs> You know, but then looks at the script and oh, okay, he does right. go. He goes, mm, I better I just better just I think. Yeah, maybe I didn't know that line. And you have this great moment on stage where he does pause, but then he delivers his line. He's like, oh great, you know, it's, yeah. this will be good now. And he sits back looking pleased with himself. Yeah. To old and then Tim. the other actor, the defense lawyer, goes to talk and just can't. Yeah, and it's and it's devastating. And so he's like, oh, so he runs out into a cupboard and comes back obviously in time with the placards that. You know, this is the script. He yeah. tells him the script. And so he gets away with it. And uh, when he then, you know, so the play is a success. When he returns, he realises that he doesn't have Mary's phone number anymore. No, that's So right. this really is one of those like, oh, you can do that for your friend, your roommate, mm. but then you don't get to meet Mary. Yeah, and it's know? interesting because it's giving us these, some of the rules. Yeah. That, yeah, it's stuff you change, stay changed. Yes, and yeah, it's just you know he's going okay. Well, if I go back to the you know restaurant and meet her, then I can't help can't do Harry. The play. And like Harry really, really needed this help. Yeah. Like you know, and, and Harry is arguably an easier person to be around when he's being adored yeah. and loved. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, he's still a bit of a dick, but at least he's not so venomous to everyone. He's just a bit arrogant to everyone. But it's a great fun in games, right? Like, mm. and, and explains the rules. So then, so then, he, but he remembers that Mary said that she's a big Kate Moss fan, and there's a Kate Moss uh, show, you know, photos of Kate Moss at the museum. So he rushes there, and he's going to do a vigil, basically, yes. to meet he's, her. He's there all week. And we he's there all week. Um, yeah, it's a great montage. And this is where it gets a little bit. There is a little bit of a creep in here where yeah. he he runs over and immediately starts blurting out things. Of course, she doesn't know him from no. a block of clay. <laughs> <laughs> which she indicates and she's got to go, oh, he's kind of funny and uh, he he tries to be charming but he can't be because no. he's just he's really not very good at it. No, he's not good at being charming. Uh, and then he finds out that she's already got a boyfriend and he's like, well, that was quick. Yeah. You know, when, when was this? And then presses her for details, which is all part of this fun and games, isn't mm, it? Because it's yeah, like, it well, he has this superpower. Yeah, yeah. And at first you're going, well, why is he like going? And then, if, you know, quickly enough, you, you're cotton on, oh, okay. Uh, he gets the exact address and time and like need to know when you're like yeah and sure enough he he goes back but and it's great isn't it that she's got a boyfriend because it's escalating the stakes that if you change something the whole universe goes on and you miss out yeah the, the, the know, world so continues the world continues so then he does go to the party and he's really pressed to influence mary and get to know her and get out get her out away from this potential boyfriend so yes. that then they can be together yeah, and yeah. Then, thankfully that seems to work. Yeah, and they are is... together. They have a nice dinner. They walk all the way back to her place. They're really getting along. Uh, she invites him in um, and so, you know, and suggests, you know, they're going to they're gonna have sex. And so 
It doesn't, obviously, he underperforms, you know, for the first well, time. You know, it's too much it's pressure. It's a bit awkward, it's a bit, you know, yeah. a bit and too he, much. And she's like, oh, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, and, and he's so like, he's like, hmm. oh, hang on, I can go back in time. So he goes back in time and he, you know, there's a couple of jokes in there about her bra, like the second time he can undo it really fast yes. and he avoids her, her shoes tripping over them. So it's a lot more smoother and he takes control and she has a great time, you know, they have a great sex, I suppose. And then he's like, uh, just give me another minute. And, you know, so then he, and he repeats it all yeah. Again, and the, they end up because initially it's just they're exhausted on bed, and then there's over the next the doona covers and the sheets are everywhere, the bed, yeah. and they're all just somewhere else in the the room. Yeah, they clearly right. had a great time. Yeah, and yeah, she says, "Well, that's the best thing ever." And yes, he, and he's like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> and then she's like, "Well, is that all it is for the first time? <laughs> is, is it just is it just one?" Oh, and and she says, "Oh, so what? We just can do it once." Yeah. And he's, we've seen he's done about five or six yeah. times. He's gone back. So he's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> so a little, little bit of comedy yeah, there, which is nice. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get this great montage scene, which I thought was really cool in the tube station. And it's basically their relationship blossoms. And, you know, so they're, mm. you know, they're going through, the, as they go through the tube, they keep going through this tube where they're, you know, entering and exiting the station and their relationship is developing. You know, they go to fancy dress party. They, they go to work. They, also, they like, run off the platform. Yeah, they they, they go in, in. They go separately. Yeah. And then at some point, they're both getting onto the same. Yeah, yeah. Train. So you know, so they've moved in at some. They've point. They've moved in. I think they, he's got a box of belong. His books. I yeah. think that's what it is. And and then they're going off somewhere else. And there's a party. And they're out with their friends. And so it's a great, you know, you know, speed up of the story. Um, Which is sometimes missed in these rom coms where. They go from naught to getting engaged in like a week. That's right. And it's kind of a bit much. So he then has a night out. She doesn't want to go. He's going to the theatre. And he happens to see Charlotte at this theatre production. Yes. And he's with Rory, Rory the colleague from work. <coughs> and um, he sees Charlotte. And so he's like, oh, I can use this. Time, you know, I'm going to go up to her, and he goes up to her, and he just makes a buffoon of himself, insulting gay people (laughs) and his friend. It's it's very terrible. So he goes away, and of course, time travels and comes back, and he tries a second time, and the second time he still he's awkwardness. I love his hand actually. Oh, you're gay, and he wobbles his hand. She says, "Yes, I'm gay." Wobbling her hands, and you can see him just. Die inside yeah. because did I just do that? I yes. did. I was, oh my god! <laughs> so you know, and he tries it a second time, and then I think he tries it a third time, and and what's great is then that fourth time he's like, oh, there's my ex, and oh, there's a girl I wanted to hook up with or something. And yeah. Rory's like, we should go and say, ah, oh, it's not worth it. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a great little joke. But anyway, outside she actually spots him and comes up to him and uh, talks to him, and then dumps her friend and yeah. says, let's go out to dinner. And they go out to dinner and seem to be getting along really well. And they talk about that oh, summer. Man, and I... she says, oh, we really wasted our time, didn't we? We could have got it, you know, basically got it on. And he's thinking, this, well, no, that never This whole worked. scene is, is such a, because this is a real lead up rom-com scene, isn't yeah. it? This is where it's leading up to uh, the, like, all temptation. Is, like an all it's is lost or a midpoint yeah. or, or some sort of devastation here, which is, uh, what I was when I was watching this the first time, I remember mm. going, "Oh my god, no! You're such a nice guy." Yeah. But they they set he set it up so well where, uh, you know, um, Mary is Mary's in the dumps a bit, like you know, and and I've I've experienced this as yeah, well, yeah. and and you see like just no, nah, she's just like, but in a rom com situation, in real life, 
just sometimes your partner is just like, no, I just, I'm just staying in bed. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm just going to play computer games, just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. As, but in a rom-com situation, that any any scene sort of depicts how their relationship is going at yeah, any yeah. given time. Yep. So if they have a scene like that where she's like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not getting out of bed. I'm doing it. And he says, no, it can't be fun. No, I'm not doing it. And he goes, yeah. oh, okay, I'll go on my own. It, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of telling you that's their whole relationship is like that yeah, yeah. right now. Like, like yeah. they've had weeks or months of this problem. Yes. Which is, um, I, I think it's the sunshine, eternal sunshine, spotless minds of has a scene like that. Yeah, it does. Where, oh, we're going to go out. No, I don't feel like going out. And, mm. and there's kind of that same sort of energy and he walks off because that's how the relationship has become. Yeah. And, so, in, and in another rom-com, it could be the, like the married man and woman and the, the wife is like, oh, I'm tired because of the kids. You just go out. And then, of course, he goes out and the secretary... Mm. Throws herself at him, you know, and you're like, oh, it's the disaster moment. You yeah, know? I know. Because I was watching this the first time. I was going to say, this is one of my favorite scenes is this part here where is this whole build up of a cheating, getting caught cheating moment. Yeah. Because we've even had, he went out with Rory. Yeah. So you're just waiting for him to come across Rory again, who spots them together going into the hotel or, you mm. know, kissing yeah. at the door. Yeah. Because you probably wouldn't actually have them sleep because yeah. it's not that, that sort of serious rom-com. But that, there'd be that sort of kiss and, and yeah. Rory would see it and then he would try to keep it quiet but it would blur it out because yeah. he's kind of a bit of a goofball. Yeah. You know, and then that would be that would be the whole bad guys closing. That would be all of that situation. Mm. But in this one here, just right at that moment where she says, well, how about you come on in? Yeah, it's nicer, warmer inside. And you're it? waiting for that. You're cringing. You're going, oh, God, don't be a dick. Don't. He goes... Actually, no. Yeah. And he runs back, and that's when he proposes to, which is funny as well, because she's still not in a really Good upbeat mental. mood. No. She's, so she has like, oh, what's that? The music? You got the radio? Oh, I just got the radio one, of course. We, yeah, we, she says yes. <laughs> and, and he goes on down there, and there's like the band playing, and she's like, oh, just, yeah, move along. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, they have this wedding that, I mean, there's a bit of hijinks leading up to it, but they have this wedding where it's kind of a bit of a disaster on the outside looking in, isn't it? You know, like it's yeah, a bit it, of a montage of a wedding that the there's bucketing rain and everyone gets wet, everyone's pissed off. Um, he also then has uh, a best man time travel scenario. So one one gets up to start talking, I think it's Rory, and then it's just, Boring, and then, yes. and then he's, he's like, just talking about some legal technicality. Yeah, and, like, and then, and then he gets to, then he obviously went back in time and got Jay, and Jay does this whole thing about all the women he slept with, uh. and uh, so it's just disgusting. And then he, then he, then he does his dad, I think, and his dad is perfect, kind of thing. Um, so, so there's that, and then I, I like this because at the end of on it, the, yeah, go on. I, I was just going to say I like this because. He's this is where it's a bit thematic because he kind of gets to the end of that day and he goes to Mary, Oh, do you want to would you do this day again? You know, and yeah, we're th- I'm thinking, yeah, well, it's like he's got should, the ability this to go be back. done differently. Yeah. Did, did, did it annoy you that it yeah. rained and so And she's like, No, it was perfect. And so there's a bit of to me, he's always wanting things to be perfect, he's always changing it. But there's Mary, the person without time travel ability, she's like, No, it's this was good. Which yeah. is a nice day. Well, I, I also like that his dad wanted to, you know, in his delivery of his speech, yeah. he says something that uh, I was wanting to say, 
you know, I, I, I should have told you I love you. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you're sort of thinking, yeah, how, how many times has he done this speech? Yeah, that's right. Cause you don't know, like, no, you know, we he, don't know. he sort of delivered a speech and you're like, nah, that wasn't quite right. And he's got, he finally gets to the one that goes, yeah. yeah, look, Desmond, top bloke. I yeah. love you. Yeah. And you know, Tim, my son, I yeah. love you, of course. Yeah. And you can see he's satisfied with them. Okay, yeah. I'll take that one. And that's a nice, again, unlike the romantic comedy, right? Like the dad is coming in and controlling the story for a moment, mm. which and, again uh, is the family thing. Yeah, we had a couple of the funny, uh, awkward speeches because you always got to have the yeah. bad speech at the wedding yeah. in, as the part of the rom-com, you know. Uh, but he, he can save that, so it's good. Yeah. Anyway, so they do have their daughter, Posey, um, pretty quickly. So they have the baby. And um, this is then... So things are kind of up. This is an up midpoint, this yes. film. Um, and then and then what happens to turn the story on a dime and really head, head us into the midpoint is Kit Kat's relationship um, and her not fitting in, which was implied in the wedi- wedding. She yeah. does say to Uncle Desmond, I don't, boys don't treat me very well. And it's actually, you can see that boyfriend of hers is like hitting on a waitress. Yeah. You know? um, and that, they've been on again, off again. Yeah, they've been on the again. Whole time. We'd that- also been showing that she hadn't survived in London, like she'd lost a couple of jobs and moved back to her parents. And so we'd already seen a bit of that, but we, we don't need to go into all those details. But basically this midpoint is, you know, when things are doing well, um, it's Posey's first birthday is Kit Kat doesn't show up and she's had a drunken crash, yeah, her- car crash. And she's really beaten up. And so what they realise is that, you know, some of these little things that were going on and she was wild and free is that, no, actually, it's more serious than That's, that. It's she not her being be wild and help. free. That's her being yeah. a little bit out of control. Yeah. Um, so Tim does decide to intervene. I, like, um, I, I love and, this this part here as yeah. well, just from the, the lesson, because we get um, it's a bit of a, again, this whole midpoint is not, is turning things on its head again. Yeah, because yeah. You would have expected, as I said, yeah, maybe the wedding would be a disaster yeah, and, and then she'd be unhappy it, yeah. and it'd be trouble. But no, no, that actually worked out quite nicely. Yeah. No, and then okay. it actually turns out it's Kit Kat's relationship yeah. that's having the that problem. That is the problem, yeah. And he goes along and he says, oh, look, you know, it's because you met this, I can't remember her, the name of her. Jimmy. 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 Yeah, it's because you met Jimmy. Yeah, and so your he, life went sour he, after he that. He tells her, he goes, well, I'm going to fix your life. Yeah. Which, you know, is like one of these, like, okay. Mm. And he, he takes her back through the cupboard. Yeah. yeah she, back to that first. Back to that first party. The yeah. first party, the first yeah. New Year's party. And they wander through. And again, they dodge the spilled drinks. They don't spill <laughs> the right. drinks. And this time he says, I'm just stand here away for a moment. And then Jimmy walks in, goes straight, you know, because they didn't intercept. Yeah. Walks straight past up to some other girl. Yeah. And she's like, Jimmy was never interested in me. No. No. And then, yeah, they go back. Through back forward in time, mm. and they get it's like they get an upload of everything. It is, they, isn't they it? catch up an update. on everything that happened, and she, they realize, Jay, oh, yeah, what a surprise! I end, end up not getting with Jimmy, I got with Jay, and they're happy, yeah. And yeah, they're sitting out having the picnic on the lawn now, and Jay's there, and Kit Kat's there, and they're, they're a happy couple, it is. And Things you just go, good. Oh, it seems yeah. all nice, and then he goes home, and to, <laughs> I like, this is his, my favorite scene to his, you know. Daughter, yeah, and as a dark-haired boy, yeah, and so, oh, geez, the the horror of that. I know. You're just, oh, what the heck? I remember when I first saw this film, I thought that was horrific, but I'm sure that then maybe the second time I watched it was after then I'd had a child, yeah, and um, that this scene hit me a lot harder that second time because you oh. thought 
wow, imagine, like, it's one thing when a baby's born, you don't really know, and then you build a bond. But imagine him having that bond with Posey for X amount of time. Yeah. And then and that child is gone. Yeah. yeah no, it's the death now, of a child, right? You don't, like, you don't have that little two-year-old or one-and-a-half-year-old yeah, or whatever it is. And there's just some other baby <laughs> that you wouldn't have had that connection And with. everyone's telling you, this is your child. This is your like, child. You'd be like, really? wow, yeah. So... It, being that it's a romantic comedy, it's a shock scene. It doesn't have to go into any sort of like expletives about it, but it's very raw in that way. And so he rushes to his father and his father explains, oh, yeah, whoops, I meant to tell you, you can't, if you go further back than when a child is born, you do change. You change it all because yeah, it's the, like the, the moment exact... of conception is too impossible. Yeah, so and... all the way up until, you know, it's fine before they come out Yeah, because you don't know them. Yeah. Like it... it, it you wouldn't know what combination you got anyway. No, no. So but you once you once you've got your child, yeah, yeah, um, you you risk losing it all yeah. by going back and doing anything that changes things. So it's kind of like a bookmark on the error, meaning you cannot return to yeah. Early and and life. that's and that's an interesting, um, and I think there's a bit of bad guys closing, and the, the world's is. getting smaller because suddenly yep. his his superpower has just been chopped. It's like he he can't go back and fix anything or yeah. change anything before. Yeah. Posey was born. And that means he can't fix Kit Kat. Yes. She has to fix it herself. And I, and I love that because he goes back, he, he, you know, takes, he goes back before he took Kit Kat and yeah. he doesn't take Kit Kat. Yeah, that's right. And so he allows in, that means he has, still has yeah. his daughter. But then he's just like, you know, um, you know Mary's there and she says, well, he yeah. says, oh, well, we've got to do something. And Mary says, yes, we've got to let her Decide, make, yeah. make the decision. And this is like one of those real learning things is that it's sort of a mirror of the um, Charlotte bit. It is, isn't it? You can't change someone. No. You can change yourself all you like, but you can't actually make someone else change. Just spit in bombs tonight. And so, yeah, so he sits there and they just sit there and don't leave her side until she finally goes. All right. Yeah. yeah, Because like, like, it's basically the sort of convincing her, you know, we actually do care. Yep. Yeah. This isn't, you know, previous times. We didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when she goes, okay, well, I can't really continue this relationship yeah. with Jimmy, can I? Yeah. And she and funny enough, then he says, well, how about Jay? Yeah. How, about, how about you come around, um, you know? Have dinner with Jay. You could meet Jay. Yep. And she's so, like, Jay? Yeah. But yeah, sure enough, of course, because he, he sort of has this insight that, in fact, if they do get together, they're going to be good. Yeah. And um, they then have another baby kind of implying that, well, then they can't change the back future anyway. Yeah, you can't go yeah. back to Kit Kat. Yeah accident and yeah. do anything about it no that's right um to me then the all is lost someone dying or something dying is that then the next scene they learn that the father has terminal cancer or whatever and um you can't go back to change it at all so and no, going to see him he he says well it was probably my smoking that did it but then i wouldn't have met your mother if i wasn't a smoker and um, he's like, I can't go back in time because if I did, then you guys wouldn't be born. Yeah. Um, like he says, you know, why do you think, you know, how, how do you think a, you know, a teacher retiring at 50 to spend all of his time with his kids? You know, and, yeah. and this is that point where you, get, like, you uh, go, oh, that's why he's such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he's been doing this. Yeah. This is always, he's you know. been getting the, the parenting and the, the experiences mm. And ensuring that you know this is his this time is not quit. wasted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's so you can sort of initially it's sort of a sad thing. You think, oh, he's going to you know die and it's not going to happen. But on the other hand, he's had like I don't know, like a good 
period of time, however long it is, of like really intense mm. good times with his dad. And it is it is nice there that they they do go and have his funeral. Yeah, well, but before that, he tells him to. So he does the funeral, but he he tells him that. So his advice, the big cracker, is that he should live every day twice, twice over. Yes, and so yeah, he does die, but Tim can go back in time see him before his death. Yeah, that's so, kind of, which is a bit odd as well. Like, well, it's like, funny because he walks in and he's there. He is reading. Yeah. What was his favorite book? He's reading the um, Charles Dickens. Dickens, uh, yeah. yeah. Moby and Dickwood. he says, "Oh, you're, you're looking very serious. Oh, where did you come from? Yeah." And then it's like that few moment. Oh. Oh, I guess you know now then. Yeah. Don't you? Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's it's so cool that they can have that conversation. Go back and have these yeah. conversations. So and that's what he does. That to me, this is breaking into three, is that then he follows that dad's advice to live each day. And we see that twice. Yeah. So he goes, Okay, I'll give this a trial. So it's like to me, this is breaking into the act three because now it's a plan of attack. So yes. his plan is to follow that advice and see, okay. From this sadness of losing dad, is it best to live every day twice? Mm. And we see him. So we see him being a lawyer and the the head lawyer's being nasty to Rory. We see them running late. We see him getting a lunch and the girl's really nice to him, but he doesn't react. We see him coming home to his wife, winning a court case. And then he repeats the day, but the second day he appreciates everything and he mm. mocks the boss. He appreciates the woman that serves him the lunch and has a little chat with he, her. He wins the case he easily wins the rather case, than yeah, kind of like a- the stress and the tension of the day. And he comes home to his wife and he's happy. And and so, like, the, oh, that plan uh, is Well, that's working. the thing is she then says, oh, how was the day? Because before doing that, how was your day? Oh, it was a bit, bit much really. And this time she says, how was your day? He says, oh, it was really nice. Yeah, so yeah, he's sort of yeah. figuring this out. He's he's realizing that yeah, this this sort of works. But the villain, <laughs> which oh, is yeah. not really a villain, Mary then says, "Why don't we have another child?" And of course, that means that he will not be able to see his father anymore. Yeah, that, like, that he time period is locked that. off from him. So it's not a villain in the true sense, but it is in the story, and his superpower gets it, cut off. It's that. Uh, Reversal. We're in Act Three. This is yeah. a reversal where you think he's found the secret of happiness and yeah. love and life because at any time he can go back and visit his dad. Yeah. Because his dad will go, "Oh, you must have come back." Yeah. From after I was dead. Okay, oh, that's yeah. really nice, you know. Yeah. And then yeah, he gets that point where it's like reversal. Bang! You can't. Once we've got to have kids, and he's like, "Oh, mm, let me think about it." Mm. He goes back and tells, and his dad knows something's changed. You know, how come you've come back to play ping pong? Yeah. He says, well, I'm about to have a, you know, you're dead and I'm about to have a child. Yep. I don't think he says it in that words, but they, they know yeah, that's what's going along on. those lines. Ah, okay. So that means you're, you know, from the dad point of view, nothing really changes. Yeah. But it, he realizes that, okay, he can't revisit me. And so he says, what's the last thing? And to me, this is a great climax of mm. the film because it's then he says, well, we can do one last thing, which is what we were doing as father, son, all those years ago, run along the beach together. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's like, as long as we don't really touch anything and we don't go around anyone else, yeah. we shouldn't affect the world mm. too much. And so they go back and yeah, there's a really lovely scene here where you know, they run along and they throw stones into the water, which they've always done, but you see it and Tim's a little boy and the father's a lot younger and that's the climax and he comes back and Mary gives birth to a baby girl and he knows he can never see his father again. So it's a bit of a, like, happy, sad climax in a way, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, so he's one, but, you know, 
not. And then he reveals to us, well, the thing is to not, you don't have to follow that plan that his father gave him, which is live every day twice. He, You can just live every day once, but deciding from that point to not time travel and just to appreciate yeah. everything the first time. Do it like the second time through, but do it yeah. that, the, first the first time. time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is what you were saying at the beginning of this whole episode is us, like we have the ability, this is what this movie is kind of saying, you actually have the power of time travel, if, the message of time travel. Yes. If you just live and appreciate every moment yeah. that you do actually have. Yeah. It turns, yeah, so it's you, very sweet. You don't really need the time travel to make yourself happy. No. No. Right. So, so it's good, and that's just why make yourself happy. <laughs> you end with this feeling of like, like you do. yeah, you, they they kept having these tense moments, but they're really only tense moments because you knew how a romantic comedy or a time travel movie mm. is supposed to play out. That's right. And it never, he never cheats on Mary. No, they they never have a breakup. They never have a breakup. No, they you know, um, Kit Kat is. Not physically abused, you know. It's it's a, an abusive relationship, but she has a car crash, but then she does make the decision to, to change. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's all of these sort of things we're the expecting far... the bad thing to happen, but in fact, it doesn't happen the way you'd expect no, it to, and the... so you still get that feeling of ah, yeah. ah, <laughs> without having to have the bad thing happen. Agreed, agreed. So that brings us to the end of the plot, anyway. So let us know what you thought. Did we miss any of the really key parts? What was your, um, you know, favourite scene? Let us know online, whatever. Send us an email. Hit up with a comment in the socials. So let's move on to a bit of ladder. This was a classic, so we kind of mix it in with the classic. So there's a lot less films. For me, sorry, on the ladder, I've decided to kind of mix it in with some of the other classics that have something to do with time. And I really thought about this as in, okay, so if you watched... Back to the Future, which was a previous classic of us, which is really a comedy sci-fi. Yes. uh, You know, because it's funny and it's great and it's awesome. If you haven't seen Back to the Future, please go see it. Uh, And then you watch this and, okay, it's funny, but it's romantic sci-fi. Yes. So it's kind of a good mix. And then I thought, well, then you can, but it's still on the time stuff. So the next one's going to be something nice and warm and pleasant. No, then you go really horrific. Ah. (laughs) It's still got the time factor in it. Not quite the time travel factor, but it's got the weird portal time difference that happens to Sam Neill and uh, go Event Horizon. Event Horizon. Funny thing is... they're the three, not necessarily in the one night, but I think (laughs) (laughs) over the course of a weekend, if you watch those three over the course of a weekend, I think that would be a real palette builder all around kind of weird time differences it's and interesting because it's so almost be what i was going to pick as well because oh, i was looking at yeah. going yeah vent horizon and i thought yeah. oh oh i don't know if i want to spoil about the time <laughs> feeling quite so so I, I had the back to the future of course yeah, yeah and about time but instead of vent horizon i had the matrix yeah okay because the matrix is also about you know what if i had this superpower what yeah, if yeah. i was the chosen one what if i could Learn Kung Fu. Mm. What, what if my day, dreary day-to-day life was not yep. my fate? Yep. Which is kind of what About Time is as well. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, what what if I wasn't fated to have to live through each day just as it is? Yeah, you have this special power. And, and you learn, but you learn, you know, that um, it needn't be that way. And so I, I thought The Matrix is quite good because it's, 
it gives you that sort of feeling of power and strength, but it has that darker edge to it as well, mm. which is, and it, it lives up to more of the usual science fiction sort of tropes. Yeah. I think it was good. Um, I mean, that would be, yeah, you can imagine these things. We'll have to, we'll have to organize some watch parties. Some watch, watch parties, <laughs> or words at some point. Yeah. 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 So have you got your own ladder going? Where do your numbers sit and where do your, you know, films, what films would you recommend watching with about time? So what about some science? Sorry, this, uh, you know, the genetics of time travel, the love factor in time travel, the well, yeah, it's being the chosen one. It's well known, in fact, that time travel follows genetic lines. Especially men. Especially, men have it. It's a power only for men. I mean, it's something we, we don't tell women about. <laughs> no, because, you know, maybe it's a genetic anomaly that shouldn't be there. But It'll, it'll spoil things for them if yeah. they found out. That, maybe it's uh, always about men that, you know, we just want to finish things and get things done and, you know, we're quickly. hunters. Quickly. <laughs> quickly. I just, that's what my wife always says. You'll have to get things done quickly. Very quickly. A little bit too quickly sometimes. Too quickly, yeah. Okay, well, so, so here is an interesting thing. So let's just sort of say this thing I'm going to talk about involves the self-regulation of attention mm-hmm. so that it remains focused on the present moment. Okay. Along with this self-regulation, it also requires a focus on the immediate experience with an attitude of curiosity, openness, and acceptance. Uh-huh. What does that sound like? That sounds a lot like about time. His secret. Yeah, yeah. So his secret that he found that you don't need time travel for is called mindfulness. Mm. It's an interesting thing. So it, it comes a bit from various philosophical traditions, including quite commonly the Eastern, you know, Buddhist, yeah, the Buddhist uh, teaching. type of teachings, where it's talking about, yeah, you want to pay attention to yourself, to your surroundings, the current moment. Uh, there is only now, there is no future, there is no past. Yeah. Like it's, the past has happened. Thinking about it, dwelling on it, doing anything will not change the past. Mm. And this is the case in the about time once you have the child. Yeah. Okay. Once you've had that, you, you're kind of locked here. Your, your mm. past is your past. You can't go back and change it. And this and is d- what he it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And the as, child as is it, too powerful. As, as it turns out, you know, what does it matter? Yep. The other side of this is using it more recently, some research on can we make ourselves happy? Like yep. you've, you've heard, probably heard this thing that happiness is a choice. Yep. And... A lot of people go, you know, you, know, you can choose to be happy. Mm-hmm. The reality of it is, of course, it's far more complicated than that. But I would say it's certainly a series of micro choices and attitudes mm. which will lead in a more happiness-oriented direction, which is certainly true. You could, for example, dwell on the fact that your dad has died mm-hmm. and that you're not going to be able to go back and see him, and that is crap. Yep. Or you could remember that the reason you want to go see him is because he was a great guy and he taught you a lot of stuff. And the reason you are the person you are today is because you learned from them. Yeah. And you can just enjoy the moments you have now with the people you have around you mm. rather than worrying about all the things you could have done or could yeah. have been or should have been. Yeah. So- and in that context, you could think about the good memories from your father versus the feeling of death. You yes. know, the fact that he is dead and gone, you could just focus on the happy memories that you have. Yes, with the, the running on the beach, the yeah. skipping of the stones, yeah. metaphorically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so, so there was some research by uh, Lindsay E.K. Chin, B. Greco, C.M. Young, a whole bunch of people actually in this, in 2018. <laughs> it's called How Mindfulness Training Promotes Positive Emotions. 
Dismantling Acceptance Skills Training in Two Randomized Controlled Trials. It was published in the Journal of so- uh, Personality and Social Psychology. Mm. Yeah, so you know, this is not unresearched. It's not just, uh, you know, supposed. They, they've actually wanted to try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you actually have a measurable effect? Yeah. So the researchers, they compared the effects of two different mindfulness training programs. So they did this thing called monitoring. So monitoring is where you simply pay attention to your physical state, your feelings, you know, what's, say, around you immediately. Like maybe you're holding an apple and you're looking at the apple and you so you're thinking, you know, how, how do I feel? How's the apple feel on my hand? You know, that's mm. what you're paying attention to. Yep. If an external, you know, um, distraction comes along your way, you, you know, acknowledge it, but then you move your focus back mm. and so that you keep that. That's called monitoring. Uh, versus monitoring plus acceptance. Mm. Now, acceptance is you're doing this monitoring and you'll have thoughts about bad things that have happened. You'll you'll feel bad emotions at various times because it's a, a practice. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you're to accept that you do feel this thing and look at how it affects your body, how it makes you feel, and then realize that it's allowed to exist. It's something that is real, uh, but you can move on and now you can focus back on an apple yeah. or you can focus on your breathing in just the same way. Yeah, yeah. So you're not trying to deny anything. Mm-hmm. You just accept that it is all this part of the here and now. Yep. Uh, okay, so then they, they compared this then with a control condition, which is no treatment or interactive treat or inactive treatment. So they did in a couple of different studies of stressed adults. So one study used in-person mindfulness training, while the other study taught these skills via smartphone. Both positive and negative emotions were assessed at the end of the day via diaries, mm-hmm. and also at four random times each day using the smartphone for three days before and after the study. So what they found was that while all the active mindfulness interventions, so the monitoring only and monitoring plus acceptance, mm-hmm. reduced negative feelings equally from before the study, they did differ in their effects on positive feelings. Mm. So for improving positive feelings, the monitoring plus acceptance group had a significantly stronger effect compared to monitoring only and the control. So what they're saying here is that if you're practicing mindfulness, it will only make you happier. It'll make you less unhappy in general, uh-huh. but it'll make you happier only if you learn to tolerate, make space for, and accept whatever experiences arise rather than judging them and letting them define us. Right. So, and this is an interesting one because I did a mindfulness study and course uh, a bit back mm. uh, in my history because mm-hmm. uh, I'd heard it had good benefits. But I, I, I also at the time there was, you know, some various troubles in my life that mm-hmm. I feel were making me unhappy. Yep. Uh, one of those was watching the news, so I'll stop that. But, <laughs> and I certainly found this, the, the training that I did, it was the monitoring and acceptance. So it went through stages of, first of all, just breathing, paying yep. attention to your breath, paying attention to your body, imagining, um, you know, your body inflating, deflating with your breath, yeah. and that sort of thing. And then it was like, okay, now listening to something though. So lying there and then listen with your eyes closed, listen to something that you can hear, like mm-hmm. a car or a bird or the wind or whatever, yeah. and just really pay attention to that and how it enters your body. And, and as you moved along, it got to the point where, where the, the training was, okay, now think of something that has is, is really bad. Mm-hmm. Like either something that has happened or something that might happen or or something you've always been afraid of, some situation that you just do not like. Yeah. And then you you 
monitor your body on how you respond to it. You know, your breathing quickens, your, your stomach clenches a bit. Yeah, you don't want to think about it. You, you yeah. want to try and think, but it's like the the opposite. You keep you got to draw focus on it. Mm. Is is what you do with this, and then once you you sort of focus and you're feeling how you're feeling from this, mm. you then I don't know start listening to the bird. Yeah, right. And then you focus on the bird. Yeah. And then you, you get this point, the idea is to train to the point where you can you can go, oh, okay, I can feel bad. It's almost like it's a choice. I'm, I'm actually purposefully bringing up bad thoughts and memories yeah. and I'm recognizing how that's making me feel. Mm-hmm. But then I'm at the same time, I'm going, okay, I'll just put that aside now. Now yeah. I'm going to focus on something that's happened to me right now. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a, a car was driving past. And so you say, oh, what sort of engine is that? Do I think it's a, you know, a diesel or is that a petrol engine? Mm. Would that be four cylinders, six cylinders, eight cylinders? You know, and you, and you kind of feel that. Mm. And, yeah, I, I can certainly attest, and that's that acceptance, uh, that monitoring and acceptance. Mm. And, and I still practice this I, most days, mm-hmm. certainly. I like to think I'm happier for it. Mm. The research says I should be happier for it. <laughs> and About Time has this exact same thing yeah. where he... He accepts the loss of his father yep. as a thing that really did happen, um, but he realizes that that's not the only thing that's happened. Mm. You know, things happen and things don't happen, and yep. you know, the idea is to appreciate everything that comes along, the good and the bad, yeah. as things happen, uh, and you can accept that they are there. And yeah, I mean, get I'd, something from them. I think acceptance is a big thing. It just personally overall even outside of mindfulness helps with the perception of happiness in your life anyway because mm. if you bad stuff's going to happen they're bad and good stuff and and also just stuff yes. <laughs> ne- neutral stuff neutral stuff like the just the neutral stuff it takes an hour for me to catch the train to work and it could be a fine train ride nothing bad happens nothing good happens yeah it's just a train ride but so it just sort of accepting acceptance is a big one, you know, and I think I've found that then also I think when I was a lot younger, you know, something bad would happen and then you would really dwell on it. You'd talk I, about you it. You try to people. analyze it. You analyze You're like, well, how could I do that better? Or that was that company or person after me? And like I felt that for a long time I analyzed things and realistically that just made things worse and worse. And I'm not saying don't learn because definitely learning is a key part and I know my wife and I are quite good now that something bad might happen and you with the kids or whatever and you go through the emotional response of it reasonably quickly and we've learned that no you have to have the emotional response but Mm. then you kind of go okay well what's the lesson from it and what are we going to do about Mm. it and how would we approach that next time and just kind of you're in that process you're accepting it you know, yeah. you're just accepting it for what it is. And I know? think this is the so. one of the lessons in about time is that if you had the ability to time travel, like I said, you'd go, okay, I'm going to go back, and this time I'm Fixing not going way. to do that yeah. thing, or I'm not going to, you know, blow my top and yeah. get angry. And so then you're going to end up with this whole time sequence where you're not learning how to deal with anything. Yeah, well, that's right. Do you just always time travel then to fix things? Because there's just always, no, I'm going back and fixing it. I'm going back and fixing it. I'm going back and fixing it. Yeah, Do you or do you actually just go, do you know what? My behaviour wasn't appropriate. I would rather that not happen again. You know, so when I'm dealing with my children, I'm not, I'm going to try not to blow my top and yell. Yeah. doesn't mean you're going to, you'll probably still do it, but maybe nine times out of ten you don't do it. No, I've developed a secret weapon. It's called the boring lecture. Oh. So rather than get angry at my kids, I assume a, a 
neutral monotone. Yep. And I begin, it doesn't really matter what I say because they're not listening. But the thing is, it's just, what? it's one of those things is how, look, okay, so the way you have to deal with this is one of you has to do this and one of you has to do that. You know, it's, this is something you've got to let, you know, blah, 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 blah. And of course, all they hear is blah, 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 blah. And they, you can see them start to roll their eyes and say, if you don't want to hear me saying this again, just, you know, try to pick yourself up and, and not do this yeah, again. Yeah. And I found that it's, it's far more effective than when I yell at them. Because when I yell at them, it just increases stress. This just introduces this level of boredom they want to avoid. <laughs> I'll probably have to try doing that myself. Yeah. Uh, I've, what I find hard is more, you know, you, you try to start on the calm level and then if it just is ongoing and ongoing, then mm. you're going, ugh. And you just, and, it, and it, quite often it's the old kick in the cat as well. Like other things are going on mm. and it all just escalates. That's what I find. And I see it with my wife and I see it with other people as well that you can do it, it's, if, if you're not the one in the moment, you can really see how it escalates so quickly, yeah. you know, and the person's boiling over. So everything you're saying with mindfulness, yeah, I mean, one of the best things you can ever do if you're feeling angry or stressed is actually just detach from the moment for a minute, you know, like a bit of mindfulness. So yeah. I was for a while there, I was doing, I had one of those apps that you just did five minutes whenever you could. So yeah. you could do it on the train, you could do it in your lunch break, you could do it on the toilet, whatever, right? Like you just... If you had five minutes, you could just sit there and with your headphones or your earbuds or whatever or speaker and it just stepped you through basically like saying what you were talking yeah. about. Oh, feel your eyeballs, feel your things and stuff. So, yeah, and I have done – I did Buddhist meditation. was the first meditation I ever did in my life where it was the whole silent Buddhist – there's no talking, there's no guidance and that's the whole point is to kind of notice, oh, my stomach is rumbling. mm my toes itchy, you know, and yeah. that's the whole point of it. You know, Gee, this just, lotus position is uncomfortable. Yeah, like, oh God, this chair is so uncomfortable. How much longer? And you start to realize how your mind talks to yourself and the critic and all those mm. kind of things. And that's the, and even afterwards, the Buddhist, was, the monk was like, we're not talking about any of this. None of it's important. Like, and you're like, oh, because <laughs> you're used to, again, that overanalyzing because yeah. that's the whole point. Don't analyze it, just move on, you know. So there's definitely a lot of value in that. And we'd probably have a lot less, you know, angry people out there if everyone just did take a breath and take yeah, a beat. So I find it uh, going to the gym is a good spot for that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you're yeah. sitting there doing some squats. If you're not paying attention, yeah. you're going to hurt yourself. There you go. So you yeah. sit there and you're just going to think, of how are my legs moving? How yeah. do I feel the weight through my legs? Yeah. And you'll get through your, your count of how many you're doing. Yep. And you, often I'll sort of go, oh, I'm already up to number eight. Yes. Yeah, you know, my eighth repetition. I look, oh, how, how, many, how many more can I do? Am I going to make it? But it's interesting. And, and I think a lot of sports people who really, you know, particularly endurance athletes, mm. they have to be mindful yeah. because if you're doing a, a two-hour marathon mm. and you've got to run, you can't do that distracted. <laughs> you, you've got to be thinking, how, you know, how's my legs moving? How am I breathing? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, you're not, I don't know, you're not cursing out what That's happened right. yesterday. Yeah. Or, and you can't be worrying about the training session you missed. You just no. got to be thinking about moving your legs now. What you can control. Mm. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So practice some mindfulness. There, there you go. go. You learn from the space brains. All right. So that brings us to the end of tonight's episode 95, a classic looking at about time. So let us know what you thought, uh, your feelings of the film. You know, did we miss anything? Did we upset you by talking about some scene that you don't like or there was a scene we skipped over that you did like? Maybe you do know Bill Niley and you 
can get him in touch with us because we'd love to give him a hug. Um, so, yeah, either way, let us know. You can like, follow, share, listen to podcasts, let a friend know, give us a review. All of those things does help the show. So please do um, send out some support. Even just letting someone know that Space Brands exists is really helpful. Uh, next episode, we are going to focus in on the sci-fi horror Sci-fi horror. Oh, yeah. we haven't done one of these since, like, with Alien or Event Horizon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one goes back in time a little bit. It's Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> I have to say, uh, I've not seen this one. I've seen the the video cover, the VHS yeah. cover for it. <laughs> it is a VHS cover, so and it gives you a bit of context yeah, of the timing. Just, uh, it, it has imagery of it, which is of the time. Definitely Thinking of the 80s, Gremlins, yeah. Yeah. Critters, yeah. Ghoulies. That's what I'm thinking too. So None of these things. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I haven't seen it either myself. I do know of it and probably should have seen it. I definitely know it's available on Amazon, so you can check it out there. It might be on other streaming services. Go Google it, find it. Um, and it was at my local VHS shop. Yes. <laughs> Until next time. Next time, see ya. Bye. Bye.